Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Bug Off Podcast, the first one of February, and we're getting deeper into the dark winter of the offseason, just judging by my outside window. I'm here as always with Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Man, I'm doing good. I can't complain. How about yourself? I'm doing good. It's, you know, it's the end of the week. You know, all this snow outside has me... Has me feeling that winter fatigue already. I know it's like the first real snow we've gotten in Columbus, but like it is, it's a lot of snow. Yeah, it's a lot of snow, but it makes me glad that I'm in Columbus and not in uh, Canton or Akron or Kent anymore because it is uh, much worse up there. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I know it's crazy. Like when they were doing the weather reports, they're like, it could be. It's four to twelve inches of snow, and then once you get up here, it's like eight to sixteen inches of snow. And then when you get up more north, and I know my dad lives in that that godforsaken state above us. Uh, we're not going to mention it here, but we're going to talk about it on the show. And they're they're getting hammered by snow, like incredible yeah, amounts of snow, as they deserve. Yeah, um, but yeah, honestly, why? Like you know, we got being the end of the week show. We got blessed this week with just a ton of stuff to talk about, and I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk about it all. I'm telling you, the football gods love us, Buck off specifically. Ever no since ever since we moved to Thursday recordings, we've been just getting the perfect news release times. Yeah, you know, shout out to shout out to Buck off, shout out to the football gods, shout out to Ohio State for always having news like. You know, like, there are just some programs you haven't, like, heard anything from. Like, I do my um, 
I do my I'm doing my my five questions series for like big thoughts. And I did, you know, I try to keep some like tweets and different stuff like certain programs come up. And then like certain programs, like certain programs don't even have a writer on the athletic. And I know you can't have a writer for everyone. That's just a hundred that's 130 writers just for college football. But like some programs just have no news. And I'm so I'm like, oh man, what what five questions? Five questions. Do they have a quarterback? Do they have like, you know, yeah, just like- trying to like make stuff up. And then there's like Ohio State where like every single day there's like a media feud. There's coaching hirings. There's this. There's that. There's talking crap about somebody else's program. There's comparison. It's just like Ohio State news never stops. So it I'm never like, stops. Man, I could you imagine being like an Indiana fan? I was just gonna. I was gonna bring up. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you pinned him yet, but like Northwestern. When's the last time you heard a Northwestern news thing? Jesus, that one was very. That one was hard. <laughs> that one was hard. I just, I, just, I essentially was just like, all right, is Pat Fitzgerald going to get fired, or are they going to give him the alumni discount because he has two, three, and nine seasons in three years? Northwestern. There's no news in Northwestern. Yeah, like I literally one of my five questions was on their safety transferring. <laughs> like that's how little news there is. I yeah. mean, it's Brandon Joseph. He's a dog, yeah. but still, like. I'm I'm not going to ask a big question. Yeah. Like, how are they going to replace uh, Kayvon Pope? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like we were done with that immediately once it happened. And yeah. we already had new news after that, like the day after. Like, a guy took his jersey off, threw his gloves into the stands, left the team, and there was more news after that than that because Kyle McCord played quarterback that day. Yeah, so you know, we're, yeah. Shout out to the Ohio State beat. But yeah, shout out to Ohio State beat reporters for not liking each other. Bring me brings me some uh, some nice things on some my Twitter. You know, it's a so everything about Ohio State is honestly an HBO miniseries. It is a soap opera every single day, and it's unbelievable. The gift that keeps on giving, and we get to be a key in the cog of it. So you guys are here with us, and that's exciting because. We have some huge news, and this isn't news that's be, that we're breaking. This is one of the most incredible off-season stories we've had in years. Like this was one of the funnest roller coasters to watch, and it was one of the most fun roller coasters to watch because it didn't involve us. Uh, so, like, let's start with the Jim Harbaugh story here. I, I, I wanna, I really want to hit this on. I, I want to try to get it from all angles here. So. To start, Jim Harbaugh was a very talented NFL coach. That's why he got the job at Michigan. That's why he's been here the last few years. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan has been very unsuccessful in big games against rivals, so on and so forth. To the point last year, he had to renegotiate his contract. The athletic director, Ward Manuel, said, all right, we're going to pay you half. It's going to be extremely incentive-based, and you either sign this contract or you're fired. So he took the contract, hired a bunch of young coaches, and had the best year Michigan's had since uh, Lloyd Carr was the head coach. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh is a guy, and we saw it with his tenure ending in San Francisco. He takes things very personally, right, Jordan? Extremely. Yeah. Everything's personal to this guy. So what does Jim Harbaugh do this offseason? He says, I'm going to go get a job in the NFL. I'm not going to talk to my athletic director because I read a story today from uh, one of the beat writers there, and they said Jim Harbaugh didn't speak to Ward Manuel from the time uh, 
about his job future from the time they lost in the college football playoff to when he returned yesterday. They didn't talk about his job future until yesterday after he didn't get the Vikings job. So <laughs> that's like, hilarious. That's incredible. So what like what part do you want to start at here? Like, you want to start at the point where he has to look everybody in the eye and be like, yeah, you know what? I went and I tried to get a job in the NFL. I told you guys to take a week off. You know, go plan for your futures. I'm not going to be back here. And then I didn't get the job, but I'm just going to come back. I think that's where we start, honestly. Yeah, so so here's the thing. We could start there, but... It's Michigan. And I don't even say this like it's like a negative thing because there were some fans that were mad, right? But, like, you you couldn't do that at Ohio State. So it's just like, does it matter? Like, they're going to accept him. Like, reports were that people were elated that he came back. Like, he literally, like, held them hostage, and they clapped for him when he decided to come back. So it's just like, you would think it would be awkward, but like, is it? No, like, are his coaches just going to be like, "Oh, we got a free vacation"? Like, and, and and let's be honest, not everyone likes their boss, so the coaches probably don't care. They're collecting their money. Yeah, they're like, getting does their Josh checks. Josh Gaddis care? He doesn't because he's going to be a head coach next yeah, offseason. I think like, the only reason Josh Gaddis probably cared was because he probably was under the assumption, and I I compared it. So this is one of my best tweets of the offseason so far. Jim Harbaugh did what Michael Scott did. When he said, I've got the job in corporate. I got this locked in. You're my, you're my, um, he told Dwight that he gets the branch when he leaves for corporate. Jim Hart was like, Josh, you're probably going to get this job if I leave. So Josh Gaddis was starting to get his office packed, get ready to move to the big office. You know, was trying to take his turn. And I had like a really nice bit planned, but then I remembered Mike McDonald left for the Baltimore Ravens and I could just see Josh Gaddis and, uh, Mike McDonald being Andy and Dwight in that office painting it black and just being like, this is our time now. It's our show. Who would have thought us, the leaders of this university? And I was just cracking me up in my head when I was just going through it. And at the end of the day, I think the only reason Josh Gaddis would be upset is because now he doesn't get to be the head coach first at Michigan. He's going to have to take one of those G5 jobs. He's going to have to take an ACC job or something along those lines instead of getting a blue blood job so that's the only reason i'd see him being upset but i'd also say like yeah i really don't want to be the guy who has to take over after jim harbaugh even though he's been bad like that means you have a very short shelf life after the guy who left you very abruptly so whoever was coming in next was not going to be the coach for long if he was bad no, but also the thing is, like, and we, you have to, like, we have to look at Michigan through non Ohio State lenses. Michigan is a very successful program to, like, every, like, to, like, a hundred out of, uh, like, maybe like 115 out of 130 programs. Indiana would love to be Michigan. They had their one Michigan season. Michigan State would love to be Indiana, Michigan. They had their Michigan season and didn't make it to the Big Ten championship game. Like, Iowa, eh, whatever. Like everyone that's not Wisconsin and Iowa and Ohio State and the Big Ten would love to be in Penn State because Penn State essentially is Michigan, would like to be Michigan. All of the MAC schools would like to be Michigan. So it's like, because he still, he goes 10 and 2 every year and goes yeah. to a bowl game. They don't win the bowl game, but it's like, 10, there are a lot of, like, there would be statues built of some coaches if they went 10 and 2 every year. Oh, absolutely. So, 
I think we got to remember that. But it's like the next coach. That's why it's like all all Ohio State fans are rejoicing that Jim Harbaugh is coming back. And I am too, sort of, because I just think it's funny and I don't think he can sustain it, especially because, like, I don't think he's going to hire the right people a second time now that his brother didn't gift him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like – and they lost a bunch of players, all that kind of stuff. You know, we had AIDS gate. Um, is that what we're calling it, AIDS gate, when Michigan fans were yelling at us? So, um or class gate, age gate, class gate. Oh yeah, we'll call it age gate. Age age gate's cool. So like we had age gate, but they lost just about everyone that was that decent. Said, yep. Um, so we weren't wrong. So we just they're gonna right have to make the, the right. They're gonna have to make the right decision at quarterback, which I don't trust. So yeah, I'm I not really don't mad. trust Jim Harbaugh putting JJ McCarthy as a starter. I know a lot of Michigan fans yeah. like he's gonna have to do it, but I'm like, but no, that guy really likes well, Cade McNamara. He really likes the fact that he doesn't the turn the ball thing. over, and he's he's their JT Barrett. It's the same. No, he's not. JT's better. Uh, it's the same thing with Georgia, though. They chose Stetson and JT. Dan, uh, uh, JT is out, yeah. Is it Daniels? JT Daniels transferred. So it's like some of these coaches just have an affinity with that type of quarterback. So, they just like a guy who's not going to fall apart at the wheel and yeah. is going to hurt him. Yeah, so I'm I'm happy that he's back, but I'd be I would have been more happy if they left because they would not have hired they would have hired Matt Campbell, who is worse Jim Harbaugh. Matt Campbell is less successful Jim Harbaugh. He's a coach that is slightly weird, <clears throat> makes his teams better, but can't beat his rival. Can't beat his rival, can't win big games. That's the guarantee you get with those two. He's yeah, he's them without the quarterback success or the NFL success. Like Matt Campbell is worse than Harbaugh, and, and so I would have loved for them to hire him because Matt Campbell would never beat Ohio State. And then when he lost, he would go to the press conference and say, "Well, hey, the players may have wanted to beat Ohio State, but my goal was to create great men, to have a family environment, uh, to have a close knit group." To graduate, like if you don't get the reference, y'all should definitely find that press conference. It was a rough press conference. Literally said his goal was not to win the conference championship. That may have been the player's goal. What? I'd have fired him on the spot. Yeah, I'd have fired him on the spot. If like a coach says that at Ohio State, he's gone the next day. Like Gene Smith would not settle for that. And I like I don't even think Michigan fans would settle for that. Like just being one hundred percent honest. Honestly, I don't even want to bring this quote up. Uh, 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 Jim Knowles almost got himself in trouble because they asked on the Ryan. He's lucky no one listens to the Ryan Day radio show because he mentioned on the radio show that the rivalry wasn't the most important conversation that he had when he talked to Ryan Day, that it really wasn't brought up, which is fair because the question was, how soon did the rivalry come up? And I imagine that Ryan Day didn't say, hey, I want to hire you. Can you beat Michigan? I'm sure he actually had real conversations about the defense and all that kind of stuff. But the way he worded it at first was like, mm. and that's why I think he brought up the Urban Meyer story. Yeah. Because he was like, no, don't let me get in trouble because it, it made it sound like I diminished the rivalry. So let me, let me like turn this around. So, um, yeah, no, I agree yeah. with that. And it, it was, it was a funny listen there. Uh, I, I will say this. Um, the, the most interesting dynamic to me about it is how much everyone thought Jim Harbaugh was going to get an NFL job. And when he didn't get it, that like I, I, I if that happened I'm, like so if Ryan Day interviewed for the Bears job and didn't get it but was very much foot out the door 
I don't think Ohio State fans would ever forgive him. Like, honestly. No. No, no. I'm still surprised. Just being honest, though, I'm still surprised he didn't get the job. First of all, I'm like, I'm shocked he didn't get the Bears job because he got drafted to the Bears and was there for multiple years. And he is a a type of coach that would have worked because he always had like, like they, whatever. Uh, I'm very surprised he didn't get the Raiders job. I don't, I never thought he was going to get the Vikings job. That fit never made sense. And then the Miami job, like you're more loyal to your, your alma mater than the, the company that keeps you rich. Yeah. Like you love Michigan so much. You're not going to hire the guy to coach you so you can make more money. That is mind blowing to me. So I am shocked. He didn't get an NFL job. Yeah. I think when you really break down all the connections he had in the NFL with every single job, it really doesn't. It really felt like he was going to get one. And I I was reading earlier today that Jim Harbaugh showed up in Minnesota and thought it was a done deal. (laughs) And they did not like that. And they did not think it was a done deal. Um, once again, just like Michael Scott showing up at corporate. I know everybody here. But Who's that guy? Beardy? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to defend Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm not. I, I mean, I think coach of bad. his stature and the way the NFL works, I think I probably would have thought it was a done deal. Yeah, like I, I, like I think, like if you're going to fly me out. To talk and for I'm nine Harbaugh, hours. And I'm successful in college, relatively. Successful in the NFL. Been to everyone, else is like a, everyone else is like a 30-year-old coordinator, first-time head coach. I, I get, like, I'm not defending him because that is that is arrogance, but I do see how he thought it was a done deal. Because um, that's, that's also just how the NFL works. Like, you know, these people get hired before they get hired. Like, yeah. And I think everyone knew Brian Dable was going to the Giants. Yeah, and then a huge lawsuit got started because of Bill Belichick, <laughs> which I don't think we have time to get into because it's no, just such a loaded story. But when you think about it, like I think that's kind of what comes back when Jim Harbaugh doesn't have an agent that does his football stuff. Like he could have yeah. known like what Minnesota was feeling, like legitimately if he had an agent doing the talking. But instead, for sure, he wasted his own time. And that's just, you know, that's the, that's the Looney Tune-ness of Jim Harbaugh. That's why we're happy he's back. But I think a big yeah. storyline here is how we lost Mike McDonald. Who's he going to replace him with? Uh, he's wasted all this time, you know, pining for NFL jobs. You know, I Who's think, even out there? Yeah, exactly. I think you have – I think they're going to probably promote from within. I think their D-line coach is the guy. I can't remember his name. But uh, I think Mike Elston from yeah, Notre Dame. I think it's Mike Elston, so I think yeah. he's going to be the guy. Uh, Josh Gaddis still, is probably leaving next year. On the they, yeah, that, that still makes them a coach short on the staff, though. Yeah, so he's got to fill in another position. He's going to probably lose Josh Gaddis next year. Because I, I know Jim Harbaugh said, oh, this isn't going to be an every offseason thing. But like we said at the start of this conversation, it takes everything personally. If a job comes and he could spite Ward Manuel long term, he's gonna do it. So I think at the end of the day, like, will he be able to rebuild the staff next year? And I think that's a question that's gonna come up. And if he can't rebuild the staff easily, and if he can't find guys he likes, I think he's gonna be very open to an opportunity in the NFL again. Yeah, well that's the thing. Even before this happened, his name came up in every job. So 
that, that I think that's the biggest thing. Like him, you know, we started with him having to look people in the eye and that kind of stuff. Like whatever, it's Michigan. They don't care. They're not a football yeah, school. Yeah, they, they still uh, so. But recruits, like, how are you gonna like coaches? How are you gonna recruit a coach and be like, yeah, we're gonna give you a three year contract and I'm gonna be here all three? Because like that matters. Like coaches don't want to just up and move their families. Like that is a very jarring thing. Like. Some two, three years, maybe sometimes you do that to move up, but you don't want to go somewhere and it be for a year uh, because the coach left. It'd be eight months because the coach left and then you don't get retained. How do you recruit coaches? How do you recruit players? Like, literally, we, I don't want to bring, I don't want to like start something, but we both know that. Larry Johnson is not going to be here to see this class of defensive linemen graduate. That's four years, five years for some of them if they don't yeah, all work if they out. Don't pan out. And they all say, "I'm confident Larry Johnson is going to retire, not going to retire, even though reports are he's going to retire after next season." So how do you get recruits to come who are and you're not supposed to come for the coach, whatever. We all know that they do. How do you get recruits to come and be like, "We have no idea what's going to happen." If you if you leave, we don't know if the next coach is going to like you. We don't know if they're going to go from our defense to another defense. You're going to have to transfer. Like literally, Ohio State lost people this this recruiting cycle because of lack of stability. Yeah. So and, that's the big thing. Like, how are you going to convince these people you're not going to leave next year or the year after that? Yeah, and leave the leave the players in the dust. Leave the coaches in the dust. And why is the coach going to want to spend the extra? day on the road you know selling michigan if he doesn't even know if he's gonna be there like that's like the same thing like i bet you like it was probably hard for Kerry combs to like keep the recruiting hat on i know he loves ohio state but like these things are personal like i don't think out washington probably wanted to recruit like for ohio state when he knew his future might be in jeopardy it makes it a lot harder to do and I Washington had Notre Dame in his pocket. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things. Was. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Al Washington was the same type as the Kentucky offensive line coach where he went on a recruiting visit and all of a sudden was recruiting for Notre Dame. Like, that's the type of thing we're seeing out here. And I, it's just, it's just you know, it's the business. I think when I was reading about that Kentucky offensive line coach thing that we talked about before the show uh, – that's Whoa. not the business, though. That's crazy. That, that, that one's him. crazy. But there are he didn't tell him. He just times. like went down there, interviewed, and accepted the job, and, and nobody was knew. gone. Yeah. Well, like <clears throat> coaches do leave without like well, they're on recruiting visits, but they usually tell the coach. They usually have yeah. a conversation before it happens, and that's like like Jim Harbaugh literally told these guys to plan for their future. So I, I think when you're losing the amount of seniors, you're losing the amount of key contributors when you're when you lose your defensive coordinator your best defensive coordinator since you took over the program uh, they lost know. a lot of coaches right I know they lost defensive coordinator they lost D-line um, they lost a couple other ones I think right uh, yeah I don't think they lost any on the offensive side I don't think they lost any there but I, I don't think that's really where they need the continuity I think you finally had a defense that was physical enough to throw Ohio State into a loop, to throw like a lot of good teams into a loop. You win the Big Ten, and now you lose that defense coordinator. Your coach was planning his future out away from Michigan, and then it just didn't work out. So it's going to be interesting. I think when you really talk about locker room dynamics, when you really talk about coaching room dynamics, they're obviously still going to work because they're paid to do a job, but it changes things a little bit. 
Yeah, and they even lost people who they didn't expect to leave, to lose. They lost some people, some offensive linemen they didn't expect to leave. They lost uh, a defensive lineman they didn't expect to to lose. So yeah, it's a lot, and I think I think it just shows where Jim Harbaugh's head was at when this season was over. And I think he's happy to take the job because I think he has a pay raise coming again, which is funny because they moved him down and now he's just going to get bumped up back to his original salary figure. But well, like, suppose, supposedly, sorry to interrupt you. Supposedly they moved him to Ryan Day's number, which is decent, but Ohio state's not paying Ryan day. Like they played Irvin Meyer. Yeah. And he's, they're not pay, paying Ryan day. Like these other coaches are paying. So it's like Ryan day's like, at like seven, eight a year. Like he's not getting that bump to nine, ten like some of these other people. Ryan Day's contract is modest compared to some of these other co- contracts and coaching right now. Yeah, that's something I was thinking of too, and we could get to it when we get into the coach interviews. But Ryan Day's got a pay raise coming, and it's we've seen all the other salaries. I think his is next. I don't. He doesn't need one. I don't think you get a pay raise after you lose against Michigan, but once he beats him again, he'll get a pay raise. Yeah, he's scheduled at 2020. His total pay was uh, 5.6, and he had had like increases. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so in in 2022, he's scheduled to earn 7.6. That makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. I, that's I, good. I feel like he probably wanted the money for the all the assistance and support staff over a pay raise as well. Yeah, he doesn't need it. Like you just don't need to. Like, you don't need like all these. Like I don't know. I don't. I would, I, we need to start talking bad on Ohio State fans because they're gonna stop listening. I just don't think you need to do this arms race of like this coach got ten mil, so Ryan Day deserves ten, 10 mil. million. Yeah. No, he's making seven. Go win a national championship. Didn't like you're like, you, not scot free. Like, Go win a national yeah, championship. Like the difference between where Ryan Day's at and where Mel Tucker's at is Mel Tucker's the best coach they possibly ever have. Like Mark D'Antonio deserves credit. But I'm not ready to say that I'm not Tucker. I think they're going to be bad this year. Well, I think I, they win. You can't put them in the transfer court. But like when you're talking about where they can, like Michigan State consistently lives, like Mel Tucker's 2 and 0 against Michigan. Like that never happens. Like he is setting the bar extremely high. So they're paying him where he set the bar, not where he's currently at. And that's kind of the difference. Like Ryan Day is still in the shadow of Urban Meyer and the national championship and all that stuff he accomplished. So once Ryan Day accomplishes a national championship, then I assume he's going to be paid well above what Mel Tucker's making. And that's just, that's just where I'm at. But like you said, he's got to earn it. And I think Ryan Day would much rather have $2 million to pay the best defensive coordinator in the country than he would a $2 million raise. Yeah, and also, so his contract is just going to raise in general. He was making 5.3, and then in 2021, he made 6.5, and 2022, he's going to make 7.6. So that's a million and a half raised almost every year. And then in February 1st of 2023, it's going to be redetermined to see how much it goes up. So his contract is is essentially built to go up a million dollars a year. And it's and it's through twenty twenty six. That's fine. We don't need we do not need to pay him no more than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I agree. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Like you know, coach money. I know uh, Jim Harbaugh always says it's not about the money, but obviously, oh, shut up. The money <laughs> is a very personal aspect of all the issues that arise. But he's back. Yeah, and I think, I think at the end of the day. Ohio State's going to get their chance to get revenge on him. He's going to have to come to Columbus eventually. I know he avoided it once. Mm-hmm. I know. Tried to avoid it twice. Tried to avoid it twice. He tried to leave altogether. 
And now, guess what? There's no more. It's he's. It, I think I saw the counter. It's either 296 days or 295 days. So 294 from this is recorded. I think. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a big moment of truth for both coaches. I think. Ryan Day and yeah. Jim Harbaugh, and I, I think Ohio State with an elite returning quarterback with uh, a really the best quarterback elite, in the country, like yeah, like an elite offense altogether, pretty much completely returning outside of two linemen, um, and they have a ton of experienced people on that side. You know, with a new offensive line coach, I know all the complaints about Stud. I just think they're poised and in a perfect position to reestablish the dominance immediately. Yeah, can we stop talking about this? I want to talk about the offensive line coach. Like uh, he's my favorite. Co- he's my favorite coach on the staff right now. I like I've, I've watched him talk for a total of like twenty minutes, and like I he's want, like so, I want to shake his hand. I want to like if he if they came out with a fry Ohio State jersey, I might buy it. Yeah, so, I'm a huge fan off of two interviews. So when we look at the new coaching staff, I, I when Justin Fry was talking, I, I lost my mind. I thought it was incredible. It was I wanted one, to go play offensive line. Yeah, I and wanted I've to never put on. <laughs> put on like 70 pounds right now and just go out there and play offensive line. That's what I yeah, want. There's to a do. couple, there's not many, but there's a couple six foot centers in college football. Yeah, yeah. I, I could play, you know. <laughs> yeah, just give me even fatter. I get to 330. Let's do it. I'm going to play guard and I'm going to be a short yardage only guy. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was fun looking at all the coach interviews. I, I, we could start with Justin Fry. I think. I think the the quote that everyone's using is Justin Fry wants the offensive line to be felt. I think you can't speak better words to the Midwest fans that are Ohio State fans than that. Like when you talk about in the trenches football and both coaches, Jim Knowles talked about it uh, with the defensive side of the ball being aggressive and physical up front. Uh, but Justin Fry wants the OL to be felt. He says, I don't care what we're running. I don't care if they know the play. I want our offensive line to be able to get two yards, which which yeah. was one of the biggest things we highlighted the whole season. That's literally my favorite quote. Like, I say that all the time. If I was a head coach, I would want my team to go be able to tell him, like, hey, we're running to the A-gap and still be able to get the yards. And here's the thing. He doubled down on that quote on the Ryan Day show, and it was even better. And I loved it. He said, he said, if it's third and two and my daughter is sitting in section 110, I want her to look down and say, daddy's running to the left. And I want them to know I'm running to the left. And I still want to be able to pick it up. And I said, even his daughter knows he said i want everyone in the stadium to know i'm running to the left and i want the other team to know i'm running to the left and we still get the first down and i say you know what his daughter knows she's running to the left so that's it yeah i don't know if it was i don't know which cheesy football movie it was i don't know if it was varsity blues i don't know if it was uh remember the titans i don't remember which one exactly but i remember a scene it could have been the program i don't remember the exact one but there it's an funny, i haven't seen any of those except remember the titans the offensive lineman was like oh it could have been uh it doesn't it, the movie doesn't matter it could have been the replacements too but that's that's besides the point um the offensive lineman was staring at his guy in front of him. And the guy was like quivering in fear. And he gave him the hand. He's like, we're coming at you. And he pointed at him and he just, they blew him up. And it's just, that's exactly what I thought of when Justin Fry said that quote. And everyone knows the exact scene I'm talking about. Like, tell me, because I, I want to watch that movie now. Cause I'm all juiced up about offensive line play, but 
that's it. That's that's the beauty. That's what you want your offensive line to do. You want your offensive line to be like, hey, we're running right here. You know exactly where we're coming, but I'm going to push you so far into the stadium that your family's going to know where you're sitting. Yeah, so I'm a huge Justin Fry fan. You just mentioned Remember the Titans, and now in my head, I'm picturing Jim Knowles as um as uh what is his name the the white head coach. What is his name? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, I can't think. I'm just picturing Jim Knowles. They don't get another yard. Yeah, blitz all night. I was just like <laughs> picturing picturing Jim Knowles yelling and blitzing because they get they've given up too many yards that in the first awesome. two quarters. Yeah, so. Oh, if man. anyone's good at art, if you make a if you make a Jim Knowles shirt as the coach and remember the Titans, I will buy it. I promise you. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if anyone, I don't know if anyone's into some graphic design. I will buy that shirt. I should make it and sell it, but I'm not good with that. So yeah, I'm in that same boat. Uh, but yeah, I think I. So with Justin Fry, every he said everything you want an offensive line coach to say. I'll be honest. I, I said in our Slack channel, I said I think Justin Fry, like the way he speaks, the confidence he speaks with like i'm ready to run through a brick wall for him this guy's gonna be a head coach like you know don't say that i i think the offensive line the offensive line to head coach pipelines increase mightily because when you really think about the offensive line it is a unit that needs as much continuity as possible so when you really think about who would be the best to run a team well you know if you have to have five people working in sync every single play I think the offensive line guy might be a good place to start, but like just the way he speaks, just the way he talks about offensive line play, just the way he sells, the way he's going to coach. It's incredible. Like I'm bought in. I haven't bought into a position coach at Ohio state like this since Brian Hartline. And that is insane because I think when you look at who's returning, you've got, Paris Johnson Jr., DeWan Jones is staying. You know, you've got your center in Luke Whippler. You've got Harry Miller, who's got experience. You've got Matt Jones, who's got experience. You've got tons of people with experience. Now you've got this guy who's going to light that fire in him, who's like, hey, you're not going to play if you're not a bully. Like, that's exactly what you want to see. Like, what? He walked into a recruit's room third day on the job. He's like, I'm going to have two first-round picks next year. And, you know, I think DeWan Jones is capable of it. I think Paris Johnson Jr. is capable of it. And we'll give Stud some partial credit there. But Justin Fry, if they both get picked in the first round and he went into a recruit's house on his third day at Ohio State and said that, I don't know. I'd give him a head coaching job tomorrow if I was an athletic director. Don't stop saying that. I'm just saying (laughs) that's that's how confident I am in his success. I understand, but someone's going to hear you and they're going to give them ideas. We're too right on this podcast for you to do that. He's not going to be Jeff Halfley, all right? Leave it alone. <laughs> like, we're going to keep him in the Ohio State bubble uh, before someone else poaches him. And then we got to find another one. You know, I think ideally we let Tom Allen coach for three or four more years and then Justin Fry can just go back home. I think he'd earn it by then. So, okay, you know what? I'm just. I'll accept three or four more years. He's definitely a fast riser. He's definitely a fast riser. Um, no, I really like him. I really like he's very relatable. He He's very like you can tell the passion. He's a teacher. All of them, the way they talk, you can tell that they're all teachers, which is important. You don't only need you don't like you don't just need rah-rah guys. And that's what the strength staff is for. You need to be able to teach them how to do it. And you need to be able to instill that confidence. And that's the thing. Like he was talking and he was like, 
it's really about culture and about confidence. And it's like you and you reward them for doing, you know, like a lot of people when coaches are negative, they want to talk about the negative. And it's like he's basically I'm paraphrasing was like you show them what you want done. And then you reward them by showing them when they did it. They start to believe in themselves. Then they constantly do it. You teach the next batch and then it just becomes the norm and you don't even have to teach it anymore because that's just what they do. And like, that's literally like that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And it's like, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, that's how you continue. Like, that's where the wide receiver room is. Yeah, Brian absolutely. Hartline doesn't have to teach attention to detail no more because Garrett, like, well, Garrett Wilson's not here no more, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is teaching uh, Marvin Harrison, who is well, teaching, um, like, I'm losing names right now, but they're teaching those little things. But when he first had to get here, when he first got here, he had to teach everyone. He had to teach Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and now you think about it. That's the expectation now. Like, you're not coming to Ohio State without the willingness to look at those details at the wide receiver position, which is a big reason you keep seeing five stars and four stars just lining up to go to that room because they're like, regardless of how much I play, Brian Hartline is going to make me the best receiver I can be. Yeah, and that's it. And now everyone knows it, and everyone's holding each other accountable, and they're teaching like, you know, and that's how you want the room to go. That's how you want it to be. That's how Justin Fry wants the offensive line room to go, um, and that's how it should be, especially in the offensive line room, because in the offensive line room, you're gonna have those three, three, four, and fifth year guys who can really like determine that culture and really bring Absolutely. that nastiness. So. I'm a, I'm a big, big Justin Fry guy. Um, I think one uh, thing that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. I got someone else. But I, I was just gonna say one thing that's interesting about all of the coaches is watching them dance around, uh, especially the defensive coaches. Is watching them dance around how bad the team was. Yeah, and, and so like they have a lot of talent in the room. Yeah, that's a favorite favorite one. A lot of them say so that's that's been real fun. But uh, yeah, I I genuinely feel and we can go to whatever you're going to say next and to the next coach. I genuinely feel like they're all good hires. I have a I have a feeling that most of them, if not all of them, are going to work. Yeah, but they they all emphasize a lot of the right thing. And it's it's easy to win a press conference. Right. So they still have to do the work. But. They're, I think I try to pride myself in being good at like reading people and stuff. And you can tell that they're willing to raise their level, I think, to what is necessary to be an Ohio State coach. That's kind of what I was going to say. Like what you've heard from all four of these coaches is they're going to raise their level because it's the expectation at Ohio State. Like everything I've heard from Justin Fry to Tim Walton to Perry Eliano to Jim Knowles is like, uh, we're coming in. There's an expectation of greatness here. We want that challenge. Every single coach has said, like, the reason they're here is they want the challenge that is Ohio State. And it's incredible. I think when you look at it, everyone, whoever coaches, if you could get a job at Ohio State at that level, like it's something it's like one of those jobs you get it and like you take it you just take that job because you're gonna have thousands of doors open up if you have that on your resume 
Yeah, so I think that's a perfect transition to Perry Eliano because I think he's the one that talked about it the most. Yeah, because he's had the fastest rise. Yeah. Like he went to No Name School. And he coached at No Name School in Texas. He got to Cincinnati, to, and now he's at Ohio State. Yeah, he went from that No Name School. He was like GA there. I think it was Sam Houston State, which isn't like a No Name School, but like. It, in relative terms of FBS to the it's FCS, a, it's, a, it's a no-name school to people who aren't like sickos like oh, us. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I've watched multiple Sam Houston State games over the last three years, which yeah, but like I, the I, I, I might have to have not. a conversation with someone about that. <laughs> but uh, Eliana went from a school in Texas, either Sam Houston State or a school very similar to that, very successful at the FCS level. He coached at Central Arkansas, then went to New Mexico, had draft picks at New Mexico, which I, I think is unheard of, then went to Cincinnati and developed Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant into potential first-round to early draft picks. And now he gets to be an Ohio State coach. And I think yeah. an interesting part about that was – and I we could get into Eliano himself after this, but like they called Luke Fickle first – so this is why I want to bring it up. So we know who took over the defensive back coach job at Cincinnati. Do you think uh, you think Day on the phone's like, hey Luke, uh, Terry's probably going to move on. I'm going to give him. We give him your number. He already has it, but I'm going to say, hey, Luke's looking for a guy. And you're going to get Kerry Coombs. And in this two-team trade, we got Eliano to fill a position of need. While Kerry Combs kind of got a nice job as a defensive backs coach and special teams coordinator at Cincinnati. Like, I, I thought it was a good trade. I, I think, you think yeah. that conversation happened between Day and Fickle. I, I think I think there was probably some hints at it. Like I don't think they just straight up was like you want to trade, but like I think there was some hints at it. Yeah, I think I, I think it was I one of those subtle conversations Fickle, where he's yeah, like, Yeah, you know, you got that defensive backs coach. You know, we have a defense. Carrie Carrie's kinda unhappy now. You guys, you kinda you kinda yeah. want him. I think it, it's probably like he was like, Hey, I, I wanna I wanna talk and interview uh Perry and and uh Luke Perry probably and like, Carrie, like Perry and Carrie and Luke was like, Oh, so um How's Carrie doing? Like, yeah. you wanna, you know, is Carrie all right? And Dave was like, "Yeah, you know, he, you know, we, we may move on from him. That's why I want to interview your guy." And, and Luke was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll approve that interview. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, approve go it." For it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, that's he funny. Carrie, he hit Carrie with the you up text. And then Luke Fickle, <laughs> Eliana said he actually found out from Luke Fickle that Ohio State was interested yeah. in him. So Luke's like, "Hey, Perry, uh, I got a job for you." Yeah, and I think that's hilarious because that shows the reverence that Luke still has for Ohio State. Like, so I love when people, coaches, whatever, know their place, right? And like, they're like, 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 uh, what's his name? What's the coach? Um, Mike Gundy was like mad that Jim Knowles went to Ohio State, and that's not knowing your place. You're not Ohio State. Yeah, like, you're Oklahoma Luke State. Fickle, you're the wrong OSU. Yeah, Luke Fickle was like, if you want my coach, he's gone. So I'm not even gonna fight it. I'm just gonna go big up. I'm gonna big up him, and I'm gonna let him know to expect the call. And, and like, thanks for just giving me the heads up. Thanks for being a man's man and letting me know first and not poaching. Like he didn't. Like he didn't fight it. He didn't go out kicking and screaming. He knows who Ohio State is, and he knows what opportunity this is for Perry and I like that because there's a lot of people a lot of coaches a lot of jobs a lot of stuff that like don't know who they are yeah and in comparison to other things and it's like dude you're not Ohio State you're not like you're not Bama 
you're not Georgia. Like there, there are levels, and you're you're not there. And like since he's just now going to the Big Twelve, like so. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. And I think that still shows the reverence that maybe reverence is the wrong word, but like, whatever. The reverence or respect about Ohio State still. That, that respect it. still has for Ohio State. Yeah. And so, yeah, with that, I think Eliano, like you said, he, we, we keep talking about reverence for Ohio State. Eliano said, like, this job's just different. Like, he, that's what he yeah. talked about. He said, last year at Cincinnati, it was a magical year. And, like, he kind of transitioned that to, like, Ohio State. Like, that's the expectation every year. Yeah, and he said, he said, I'm a competitive guy, and I want to be able to go. And this wasn't shade. This was just kind of passion, but it could have came off as shade. He was like, I want to go to a kid's room and say, you house, and say, you can win a national championship here, and it'd be the truth. And he said, and it'd be the truth. He's yeah. like, and said, you can go here, and you can compete for a national championship year after year, and you can and every single year you're here and you can develop and go to the next level. Um, and this is, we're flip-flopping a little bit, but Tim Walton and every single one, one of his interviews, he mentions win a bunch of games a lot. And he has been like, he has PTSD from losing. Oh, like absolutely. He, you know, he needs to go see a counselor. Every single, like, I promise you, he, he and the, the two interviews I've watched, he's mentioned win a bunch of games like 10 times. He has PTSD for He is losing. so excited to, like, flip the switch. Like, I'm done being yeah. the Jaguars DB coach. I love those guys, <laughs> but, like, I'm just happy to be here. Like, we're going to win. Yeah, losing, losing was taking a toll on him. So, yeah. I think, but, yeah, I think Perry was, because I think he's one of the younger ones, too-ish, but... He's a young. He's, he's young kinda, for a coach. Like he's still yeah. in the younger side for a coach. And yeah, he was talking to just like you could just tell. Like he was even when he was talking about recruiting. He's like walking into a like you said. Like you could tell him the national everything, but wearing the block O just feels different. Yeah, and people look at you different. There's a different reception. You know, like he walks like, into high schools and is immediately like a uh, guest of honor number one. Like, yeah, people want to see that, and that's crazy. Because you're not you're not trying to this is the thing that people forget. And I mention this a lot. You're not trying to convince people to come to Ohio State. Right. Like Cincinnati, Indiana, some of these like you're trying to convince them to come. They want to come to Ohio State. It's just like proving that Ohio State is better than the other. And maybe yeah. convince is the wrong word, but like. You're not trying to, like, force people to come here. This is an option. A lot of them would love to come here. It's just, is it here or Bama, here or Georgia, or here or yeah. something of another caliber? And being able, or Cincinnati. And that's where you're going to see it. Like, being able to go to Ohio State and be like, yo, we want you. Like, this is Ohio State versus, like, being, like you said, convince. That's that's a huge difference. I didn't think of it that way. Like, you don't, you don't have to walk. Sell is the better word. You don't yeah. have to sell anyone on Ohio State. Yeah, if it's got a reputation. State, do you want to come here or not? If you like, have the best resources, that's crazy. And I, I think Eliana's going to do a great job. I think, uh, I, I think we're going to have to go to a break. But, like, Eliano talking about how – like, like a lot of the Cincinnati fans are like, that's a lateral move. We talked about this, I think, last week too. But, like, everything he said shows why it's not a lateral move. It's not. It's Ohio State. It teaches you. Like, I, like everywhere he goes, he's going to understand what the actual expectation of greatness is. So, like, mm-hmm. when he doesn't see it. So, if he gets a defensive coordinator job at – I, I don't, I'm not going to say any like, like say he gets a defense coordinator job at Illinois. Like he understands like what that's still a step down. Yeah, he might he might make less money. Yeah, I, 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 I saw well, that might have been a bad example. 
But no, oh, that, that, that's Cincinnati, a big one. Cincinnati wants no, a defensive coordinator in the future. He knows. And that's kind of where – that's why Luke Fickle is successful because he coached at Ohio State for so long. That's why it's such a door opener. It's like, yeah, you could probably build a great career at Cincinnati, go up and find a defense coordinator job somewhere. But there's going to be a lot more doors with – with that Ohio State connection, period. Yeah, that the point though is that may still be a step down. Um, yeah. Nebraska, and I hate talking about other people's money because it's way more than I make. But and I hate using the word only because it's still a crap ton of money. Nebraska's new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, is only making eight hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. That's pretty close to Tim Walton is almost making that as yeah. a secondary coach. Like so he may take it like I mean Tim Walton, uh, I mean Perry Alliano is making four hundred, so that's a huge that's double that's his a huge salary. Step up still, but. but a couple years here and he gets to that seven fifty like what some of the other guys are making, you like, might you might make a you might take a pay cut to go to Illinois and be their DC. And that's some of money Ohio State's throwing around. Like that's crazy. But yeah, I think we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the big money position coach, Tim Walton. All right, so we'll see you guys here in a few moments. Uh, See you guys. Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie. I hope you guys are enjoying the show with us today. Uh, We're just kind of running through the coach interviews and we've been talking and it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's. I think this is an exciting time of year because, like, we don't need to hear from Tony Alford. We don't need to hear from Devin Wilson. We don't need to hear from the guys. No. Like, this is our first no. introduction to meet these guys as Ohio State coaches because um, spring ball is months away. They just got back from recruiting, so they're actually starting to become a staff now. They're not just recruiters for the staff. They met once before they all went off and journeyed to become Ohio State recruiters. And I, I think it's interesting because we still have a few to knock off. We've got Tim Walton, we got Jim Knowles, and then we've got the head man himself who spoke, which uh, this – like you only get to hear from Ryan Day like three times in the offseason. And that's, that's, yeah. that's one of them. So we're going to be crossing that off the list. Uh, but, yeah, I think the common themes I've seen from all the coaches is they want to build a culture. They want to build – a uh, team that's extremely physical, a team that doesn't have to think when they play, and they just want to get the most out of their athletes. And this is my favorite part uh, because I think this is what's made Brian Hartline so special as a coach is his ability to connect with players. All of them have put an emphasis on relationship building with the people inside of this program. And I know I, I, I'm not saying the old coaches didn't do that, but that's always just like a nice addition. And I think with yeah. w- what we saw with when Jim Knowles left, what we saw with Tim Walton, with some of the guys he coached in the NFL, like they have made significant impacts on careers and lives. Yeah, I think the the one coach that probably connected really good with players, at least recruits, was Al Washington. I didn't see too many tears from his linebacker room, uh, but a lot of the recruits really seemed to like him. I, maybe the older guys just didn't, which is why some of them transferred. But Al Washington definitely connected well. But I de- like the way these guys talk, I definitely can see them all uh, connecting well with players. And, and again, teaching. Teaching, yeah, teaching, teaching. 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 That's the, They're all teachers. That the, and that's yeah. kind of I, – I totally forgot about when we were talking, but, like, you know, like – the last like few guys, it doesn't sound like Ryan Day, but all these guys feel like they're talking in the same exact voice as Ryan Day, which says a lot. Because Ryan Day is one of those guys when you hear him speak, you're like, I need to listen to everything he's saying. 
And that's what yeah. I got from Justin Fry. That's what I got from Jim Knowles. Um, that's what I, honestly, that's what I got from Perry Eliano. I really like listening to Perry Eliano talk. Uh, uh, yeah, I think all of them, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think Tim Walton's interesting as well. Um, and here's the thing. Tim Walton, in my opinion, and I know this is going to be weird because of how anti-coach that I was. Tim Walton could never coach, could never recruit a day in his life. And I'd be okay with it. It's not going to happen, and I'd be okay with it. And this is why. He has direct NFL experience. And kids are going to want to come and work with him solely because he can teach them how to be an NFL corner. The teaching, the technique, the skills, he's not going to be teaching them how to defend college players. He's going to be teaching them how to defend Devontae Adams. He's going to be teaching them how to defend Cooper Cup. He's going to be teaching them how to defend OBJ. Not Jaden Reed, not any of these guys. And some of these guys are NFL guys, so I don't say their name to disparage them, but they're not NFL guys right now. So the recruiting is going to come. And he talked a lot about recruiting, which we can get into. But I just wanted to say, I think people are undervaluing the NFL experience and all of that NFL experience, because ultimately playing corner in the NFL is different. And that is the hardest position to transfer, which is why even unfortunately, and some of it was injuries, but even unfortunately, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm always losing names when I want to say them. Uh, went to the Lions, number two pick, number three pick uh, from Ohio uh, State. Jeff Okuda. Yeah, even Jeff Okuda didn't. Jeff Okuda looked like Jeff Okuda looked like if God created a corner, and he didn't have instant success in, yeah, in, in the NFL because it's hard. It's, it's a hard different. Position. And so. I think people are when they bring recruiting and other things up and stuff like that, I think they're undervaluing him teaching all of these corners specifically how to guard NFL receivers. And yeah, I, I imagine his coaching is going to be so technical, so hard, so thorough that it might be some of these receivers is going to be easy to guard them because they're training to guard Devontae Adams. Like Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I think the beat writers did a great job with Walton. A lot of his questions that were asked were recruiting centric because he's been out of the game so long in that regard but like he recruited a na- for a national championship winning team at one point like he understands the expectation of recruiting or else like he wouldn't have taken a college job again you know yeah. so like i think that's something people forget as well but i think walton notes recruiting is a little different than the nfl but not that much it's just all about relationships and that's recruiting yeah. that's the brian hartline school of recruiting you build great relationships with these players you build trust and and you teach them how to get to the nfl and that's exactly what the elite recruits want they want someone they can trust to take care of their future to take their future in their hands and make the most of it and i think tim walton's a very capable coach of that he's a former defensive coordinator so I think that adds a benefit to him as well because now he could understand how he could teach these corners how they play into the entire scheme of the defense and then bring it down to the micro points of just being a corners coach. Yep. So I think it's going to be awesome. uh, yeah, so before we – and I hope I'm not rushing it, but I think we're going to transition to Jim Knowles. Can I take, like, two minutes to go on a, on a mini rant? Yes, let's let it rip. We need more rants. This is – There are 
very few things that I'm passionate about, like very passionate about. There are very few things that even like Ryan Day himself could not come to me, who is a much smarter football coach than I, and tell me I'm wrong and I would listen. And one of those things is you need two different coaches in the secondary. that You can never, God himself could not convince me that one man can coach corners and safeties. It is impossible. It is stupid. It is lackluster. It makes no sense. They don't do anything the same. They don't even play man coverage the same because safeties, traditional safeties, catch. (coughs) Excuse me. And here's the thing. While they call that third position a safety, Jim Knowles even said it. He said it. We call it a safety, but it's basically a slot corner. That is not a safety. It's just do you want to call it a slot corner or do you want to call it a safety? It's a corner. That guy should spend half of his time in the corner room. Regardless, they don't they don't play safeties don't press. Safeties have to learn how to play man from 10 deep. They have to learn how to rotate down. They have to learn how to tackle in the gaps. Like it is an entirely different position. Different players, different body types, different techniques. Different roles all together. And, and there's corners don't need to show up at run fit periods. They don't need to be there. No. Safeties and, do. and also and also here's the thing, because everyone assumes that football players are smart and they're not. Not every football player is smart. You don't have to be smart to play corner. You need to be smart to play safety. Corner is you just have to be a hell of an athlete. You don't have to be a hell of an athlete to play safety. I which is why safety, Jordan yeah. Fuller <laughs> I'm not a hell of an athlete. I was a good safety. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why Jordan Fuller is a hell of an athlete compared to me on the couch. But he's not a hell of an athlete compared to people in the NFL. Yeah, he's, he's not a freaking stud because he's smart. And so you, there's God, literally God, him or herself could not come to me and say, coaching DBs with one coach is smart. That is one of the few things that I'm passionate about that like, like I think anyone who disagrees may be a little stupid. And I'm sorry, but it is just, that's just how it works. Hey, I and was- I'm glad that Jim knows, like Ryan Day said it, Ryan Day said the two coaches was Jim knows thing. And he was adamant about it. And I loved it because it is true. And both of the coaches backed it up and Jim knows backed it up. You physically, you literally just cannot do it. It makes no sense. I will add to this. I have played football at the high school level and at the junior college level. And even on my freshman football team in high school, we had a corners coach and a safeties coach because they're such they're different, different positions. Like, like my I freshman just, football team. And, like, obviously I know, like, some schools just don't have that level of funding and stuff or they don't have the volunteer workers who want to, like, coach football, like, after they work from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Like, there's just not – that's it takes different people to do that. But and I at the it. end of the day, if you could have a safeties coach and you could have a corners coach, you need to do it. Yeah, especially – and also you have to think about the number of people in the room, right? Ideally, you should have – Eight, you used to have six to eight safeties, and you should have eight to 12 corners or something, depending on if you can, like, you can flip the numbers if that third position is considered a safety, a safety or a corner. Yeah. But you have three corners technically on a field at all time. You at least want a third team. You want first, you want second, and then you want scout team. That's nine right there. You have that, like, you have one person coaching 17 to 20 players. 
who are doing yeah. different things, someone's not being coached well. Like someone is is falling under the crack. And I think that's why Ohio State's corners, safeties, were so bad recently, unless they just had a stud who could essentially just do it himself because there's no one teaching them how to be safeties. They were teaching them how to be corners. They were yeah. misidentifying people. They weren't teaching them how to how to tackle and how to cover gaps and how to play deep field and this kind of stuff. But the corners were good because who was the corners coach? He's in, he's a god tier level corners coach, but he's not a safeties coach. And Parker Fleming was not that. And, and then he my, took on Matt Barnes was not that. So it's just like that's my rant. It matters. It does. Oh, I, I, the fact that they didn't have that annoys me. Um, and they did it because they wanted to have more coaches on the offensive side. And that is a major flaw. That is a major flaw. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's crazy because the tight ends have a coach and there's three tight ends on the roster. Either put them with the wide receivers or put them with the offensive linemen. And really in Ohio State, put them with the offensive linemen because yeah. they don't catch. But, yeah, like, but so, like you said, it's a different position. So uh, I'm off my high horse, but safety and corner. And I love that Jim Knowles said it because he said safety is the most important position because of how much you put on them. Like he didn't exactly say that, but it's just like it's different. How much you put on them is different. The things they have to do, they're the last line of defense. Like, yeah, you need you to, to add, be- if you're a free safety, you need to know everything the defensive line's doing because you need to know if they're rushing. You need to know if you're, you need to know what the linebackers are doing. You need to know if they're blitzing. You need to know what they're doing. You need to know what gaps are could, could open up if, like, the defensive line slants the wrong way or if, like, the linebacker does that. And then you have to know what your corners and the other two safeties are doing. So, like, when you, you know break what the down, offense is doing, strength and weaknesses. Strengths, you where call that stuff guy. out. Because, again, that's you don't where have to be most, football. That's where most of the quarterbacks of the defense play. And that's just yeah. – that's what Jim Knowles and that's what, that's what Perry Eliano is going to be responsible for. Exactly. And I wanted to say this last thing, and I've I've said it multiple times, but it's true. You don't have to be smart to play football. And one of the reasons is because you have smart players in certain positions. There is... There is a middle linebacker in a lot of cases, and there's a safety in a lot of cases who gets everyone lined up in the right spot because there are a lot of players who are see ball, get ball. Yeah. And they can't tell you where to line up, but they can they can put you through a brick wall. And you, and you need, need those. But you need the smart guys who can tell them where to be so then they can see ball, get ball. And when, when I say you don't have to be smart to play football, I am not disparaging anyone. That's not the point. Football is just not that hard of a game when you break it down into position-specific things. Yeah. So you need the players who can do that. And yeah. those are your middle linebackers. Those are your safeties. Or just any linebacker. We don't have to, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be the middle linebacker anymore like it used to. You just need a smart linebacker and a smart safety. Yeah, and you're good. And, and you're good. Yeah, that's, so. that's, that's it. And I think everyone's going to be smart under Jim Knowles. And that's why I'm so excited. So, last guy yeah. we're going to talk about Jim Knowles. Okay, so I, I, I don't want to gatekeep football nerdism at all. But I saw quite a few tweets like just gushing over like the cover safety role. And like Ohio State's had that for a while. And it's yeah. done the same thing. And like a lot of people are saying, like, this is so cool. Like the cover safety, he's not like a corner, he's not like a safety, he's like kind of his own thing. I'm like, yeah, like we've known yeah. that. Like we've had like Sean Wade was that. Like 
last year we had like multiple <laughs> people trying to play it. And like that's kind of the thing where I, I think I, I just wanted to like I'm not like hating like it's fun to recognize it, it's fun to look at it. But like it's not a football nerd alert to know what the cover safety is. Yeah. The only difference that Jim Knowles is bringing position wise is Leo. And that's that's football nerd stuff because I like that, that's what we're all learning. We're all learning what this is. Everything else is just a style. You teach them to be more aggressive. Like you don't like you teach position specific things. Like the one thing that he did say that's a little bit different is there. I think they're going to identify positions and keep them there because essentially his safeties do different things yeah. where they don't like rotate them. And like Ohio State was like, oh, you you're number three and the bullet, but you can be number two in the cover safety. And that doesn't make sense because like they're different positions. So like that's slightly different because Ohio state was trying to do too much position versatility. I don't think there's going to be as much position versatility under Knowles. I think you're going to, this is your position and and you're you're going to execute it perfectly. But everything else, it's it's a four, two, five. It's, it's the exact same thing that's been happening with some different little stylistic choices and better coaching. Yeah. So the, the four, two, five is honestly the future of college football. Like that's, that's just the case at this point. It's like, you can't, and if you have like a four, three, four, the third linebacker is now a lot smaller and a lot more versatile. So I it's can't wait for all the, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can't wait for all the people who like hated the four two five to love it under Jim Knowles. Yeah, so I can repost my article that says it's not the four two five; it's the yeah, coaches. I, I think your article is going to age extremely well when it comes to this year. But like when they when like Jim Knowles was explaining his defense to the writers and stuff, like I like we wrote articles about that like two months ago, like and these guys they should have just read Land Grant. Holy, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but. They like, just didn't have good coaches. I'm sorry. Like they that's, just weren't that's good the coaches. Truth. That's it. And Knowles, it, it, like everything he said in your package, you better have enough answers for anything that can come up. So his whole goal is to run a four-two-five because he wants his five defensive backs, he wants his two linebackers, and he wants his four down players to be able to answer anything on the field. That's why when you see what Tanner McAllister does, if they need him to be in run fit, guess what? Tanner McAllister could do that at Oklahoma State. We've got players at Ohio State who could be like Tanner McAllister. When you look at what his linebackers do, they play just like traditional linebackers. They just do it at a very high level and very smart. Yeah, they just tackle better. (laughs) And when you look at the defensive line, like, yeah, there's a Leo or whatever. Like, there's that specialty defensive end. But at the end of the day – they might move him around a little bit. They might shift him. He's still an yeah. edge player, and his job is there. Uh, he's, he's good. We're still going to see cover four. We're still going to see man coverage. We're still going to see cover three. We're still going to see that mix of coverages we saw. We're going to see probably a lot more safety rotation disguises pre-snap. But it's going to be all the same stuff at a much higher level with much less rotations. And that's kind of what Jim Knowles was saying the entire time. Yeah, the thing that excites me the most that he said, because he said a lot of good things because he's a smart guy, he's a good coach, is he said what we said. They don't need to be thinking on the field. No. 
They just need to know it. And the linebackers specifically, we said they play slow because they're thinking too much. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about Jim Knowles is he's the opposite of our defense. He's not going to make them play faster by simplifying the defense. He's actually making the defense harder. He's just teaching it better. Yeah. And that's the thing. They're gonna we're gonna see so much variety with this defense next year. And I'm so excited because like over the last three, like Jeff Halfley's defense didn't have any variety, but it had Chase Young, it had Jeff Aguda, it had Jordan Fuller, it had all these like superstar defensive players. So, it, yeah, let's run. Like, we could do everything straight up because these guys are just so good. Last year, we kind of saw with a young team with a lot of inexperience at key positions, like, you can't – like, when you have Tough Borland, when you have Pete Werner who just understand how the game of football works. And I know a lot of people hate on Tough Borland, but last year at the beginning of the season, I really missed Tough Borland. And it's because he just understands how football works. And that's why in like 10 years, you're going to see Tough Portland as like the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati or something because he's that type of football IQ guy. But yeah, he's a smart guy. He just wasn't a, a super athlete, and Ohio State put him in positions that were to bad. Fit. Like, that's like they're like Jim Knowles is never going to have a linebacker chasing Devontae Smith. Which is why Tommy Eichenberg is going to be good. I I genuinely think that there is a you are a high on Tommy. You're you're buying a lot of his stock, and I love it because I am too. My thing with Tommy is Tommy has a very specific skill set that I like that most Ohio State linebackers currently don't have. Tommy yeah. is an old school traditional linebacker that reminds me of like like he's he's the guy that you need, and, and it's the same thing with um it's the same thing with. Cade Stover. I'm starting to mix up Cade Stover and Caden Curry, and this is going to be a bad year for me. Yeah, they're going to be playing <laughs> the same position. So it's yeah, I'm just going to be I'm going to be stuck. But it's the same thing with Cade Stover. You need a very traditional thumper linebacker. He just doesn't need to play 100 snaps a game. He needs to play yeah. like 20. He can and be a situational guy in short yardage that has a very distinct role. And, he just, and we, we saw that role for Tommy. In the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and he had 17 tackles. He was incredible in the Rose Bowl. And honestly, like, he was really good against Michigan. It's just we lost that game, yeah. so a lot of people forgot. And the thing, the reason why I'm high on Tommy is because he grew every game. And he got better and better and better. And I think he can be a Pete Warner or a Tough Borland. And, and I'm not just saying this because they're white. He can be a Pete Warner or a Tough Borland in a sense that he can excel in his role, but he'll never be the most exciting player because he doesn't run a 4-2-5. And that yeah. is great. But if you put Tommy next to CJ and you let CJ make all the, all the, the beautiful plays that we're going to replay and tweet for years, and you just let Tommy be the shorthanded tackler yeah, just let him fill the B gap and just do it really well. And I think he can be that because I think he showed us he can do that. And part of the reason I'm giving Tommy credit is I feel like I feel like when you talk badly on a guy, you also need to admit when they've gotten better. Yeah. And so if Bryson Shaw does that, I will talk highly of Bryson Shaw. I just don't think he will. Um 
Tommy improved. I honestly proved, think he, he'll probably improve a lot. Honestly, he'll improve. I just don't think he'll be like. I don't think he'll have as big of a role next year. But like, yeah, he should be a regular. About team. a bunch, like he wasn't even supposed to be playing. Like, yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, I realized I was maybe a little harsh because they were young and, and they shouldn't have been in that position. And they should all, everyone should be better for a year of of Experience. taking their lumps. So, I, I will say this: the last thing I want to talk about with Jim Knowles is just how he wants to play offense on defense, and like that, that's like the most confusing thing to hear because you're like, what does that even mean? But it just means they want like for so long defenses have reacted. To what offenses are doing and now you look at the rpo you look at how offenses have taken that and put defensive in binds so what jim knowles wants to do is mix in blitzes mix in a player like move the leo around like why is there no one on the left side of the line like why does the left tackle have no one in front of him he wants you to be thinking the entire time up until the snap of the football and that's playing offense on defense and then once the ball snaps you're not letting the receivers react. You're letting them – you're forcing them to react, and that's a yep. huge difference. And what we saw – what we've seen with Ohio State's defense almost the entire last decade is a defense that reacts. And yeah. in this new age of college football, you need an aggressive defensive coordinator that – like unless you're Kirby Smart and you've got Nicobe Dean and elite linebackers, you can't play reactionary football. You need yeah, to you find know, even they don't play reactionary football. No. They dictate. They, they tell dictate you that with physicality. They tell you that you're not going to run the ball. Like, yeah. You're not going to run the ball. You're going to have to pass it, and you better hope that you can do it. Um, one thing that's interesting. So you know, you're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. People who have listening have at least been in a relationship at some point. I'd imagine. You know how when you're around your significant other a lot, they start to use your lingo. That's Absolutely. Jim Knowles because Tanner McAllister. Talk just like Jim Knowles in his interview. He yeah. literally was like, "Yeah, Jim Knowles wants to be the offensive coordinator on defense. He wants to dictate what the offense does." Literally, it's like, did you take Jim Knowles' script and say the same exact thing? And that's how you know the players have bought in when they can tell you what the coach is going to say, when they can tell you what the coach wants to do. Yeah. And I'm listening to the interview, and I'm like, "This is Jim Knowles. Like, this is literally what Jim Knowles just said an hour ago." Yeah, and that's and, that's exactly that goes to show exactly how he teaches. And that's what Jim Knowles is going to teach these coaches, and that's what the coaches are going to teach the players. And where we saw last year, we talked about this, it felt like there was a lot of infighting on the defensive staff on what was going to happen, who was going to do what. There's not a chance that happens. There's a structure, there's responsibilities, and there is a level of execution that's expected. And that is what Jim Knowles establishes. And that's when the players are – like you said, repeating verbatim the goal, that is teaching. That's not even coaching at that point. That's teaching, and that's getting people to buy in, and that's getting people to understand what's going on. Um, And the other thing I like about Jim Knowles, he's very self-aware. Bill Landis started his article like this, but essentially he was like, yeah, I built defenses – First of all, he's he's very confident. He's like, they need a defensive rebuild, and I'm known for that. Like, I, yeah. I, I've done he's, that before. Which is funny. He's an artist. But, he's an architect. He's yeah. he's gonna make the Sistine Chapel out of yeah. whatever he has, and that's what I love about Jim Knowles. Yeah, but I I just like that he said he was like. I did it at Oklahoma State, but it took me four four years. But he's like, I know I don't have four years at Ohio State, and I have to do it quicker. And I love people who know. 
their job, know their yeah. role, know their place. Know the expectations. You don't have four years. You don't, because Ohio State fans are are, are terrible, myself Terry included. Combs was beloved in what he got two years. Yeah, like Kerry Cones was Ohio State's native son, and like he could do no wrong. There's still people who don't think he should have been fired. People, and, as soon as Kerry pulls a five star to Cincinnati, people are gonna say, "See, he should have never been fired at Ohio State." Ohio State fans will love him forever, and he got two years. And he's a great defensive back coach. I don't think anyone's ever disparaged that. He's just not a defensive coordinator. And Jim Knowles. Is a de- he's not even a defense coordinator. I'm done calling him. He's the head coach of the defense. Yeah. If Ryan Day can say it, I'm going to say it. He's the head coach of the defense. And hey, being the head coach of the defense is a lot be- better than being the head coach and of the whole team. To be honest, he makes <laughs> more money than a lot of than a lot of head coaches. Yeah, I mean, 1.9 mil. He's he's good. Jim knows is, if it if if it is successful because. Me and you, we've talked very, very highly of everyone today. And it's how we truly feel. Um, But, like, that's how these guys make you feel. And I think that's kind of the point we're making with this is, like, they they made us buy in. Like, we're not even playing. Like, no. Yeah. And so, if it is successful, because there's still a chance that it's not, there's a very real chance that Jim Knowles retires at Ohio State. Because why would you leave to be the head coach where? Like, being a head coach is not a great job. To Cornell, which he already did that. He's been there, he's done that. I mean, he would take a huge pay cut. Being a head coach is not always a great job. Like, it's it's really not. it's, It's a lot of stress. Like, you'll see that in the NFL. You'll see, like, what's the. Rex Ryan's brother, he's still getting jobs in the NFL. Rob Ryan, like he's been doing it for forty years. He's he's never been a head coach. He just wants to be a defensive coordinator. Because it's the it's the perfect position, because you have some power, you make some more money, but you still get to be player centric for most of the time. You don't have to talk to boosters. You have to do less interviews. You don't have to look at budgets and like like nobody's going to Jim Knowles and saying, "Hey, uh, can we approve travel for the um the scouting department?" Like Ryan Day's that stuff still goes to Ryan Day's desk. Like yeah. even if he even if he dict even if he not dictates even if he um delegates it to Mark. Pantone and lets him like you have full approval to do whatever the top number is still like he still has to say hey Mark your budget's two million dollars yeah you can do whatever you want with that two million He's the one who has to talk to Gene Smith if he has Mark to talk to him, goes to three million dollars and has to explain yeah. to him like yeah you see what happened here like like I don't think people understand how much of being a head coach is rubbing elbows with parents with boosters with uh, the uh, what do they call it? The high level faculty members at yeah. the university, like, and that's why Ryan Day doesn't want to focus on the defense and special teams because he doesn't get that much time to even focus on the offense. Yeah, so it, it's really, and I think Jim Knowles, like, like, I don't know, man. I like these coaches. They sold me. I, I, I know. Like, you brought it up, and you're like, we've talked really, really glowingly about all these guys who haven't even coached a game at Ohio State yet. I'm like. I'm bought in, man. I respect all these coaches. I would run through a brick wall for Justin Fry, and I haven't even met the two. Yeah. No, I'm ready. I'm I cannot ready. wait. I cannot wait till the season. I can't wait till spring practice starts. Just give me spring yeah, practice. Yeah, we're never we're never gonna get to talk to them. But like, I I don't want I want to talk to Coy McFarland. Like, I want to talk yeah. to those guys. I want to talk to the guys that uh, 
I want to I want to talk to the guys that. Um, All right, like I'll, I'll put this out there. All right. We could let Eleven Warriors. We could let the Athletic. We could let them talk to Jim Knowles. You could let them talk to Perry Eliano. Give us. Yeah, I want, to guys, I want to talk to the guys. Give us. I want to talk to Bailey. Like, come on. I want. I want to talk to the guys who do all the work. Like, <laughs> I want to talk to the guys that Jim Knowles trusted so much that he brought them from Oklahoma I State. I would do an Duke. hour and a half on Coy McFarland. <clears throat> I would, and it would be extremely fun for me. Yeah, I'm gonna like DM him and ask him if he wants to come on the show. <laughs> like, like so, we're, like, like we're big fans of your work. He'd be like, "What work? How do you guys know about me?" <laughs> it's like, but but it's also funny because one of the players, I think it was CJ Hicks, one of the linebackers was like essentially like Coy McFarland has been leading a lot of the meetings, and it's uh, true yeah. because that's that's what he does because that's and his he, job. It's his job, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I, I put this in here. I just think it's time. I think Ohio State. Put their money where their mouth is. Now it's time to execute. Like, period. And that's kind of what we were saying. Like, the coaches still have to go on the field and do it. But Gene Smith told Christina Johnson, he's like, hey, if you want to be a well-respected president here, you don't have to fix all this off-campus crime that's going on. I know you try adding the streetlights, but if you get this football team to win, no one, everyone will ignore that. No one cares. You give us money. We give you championship. You are getting a library named after you. You're the next Thompson library. Yeah. And, and I that's, honestly that's like getting a national championship is very, very hard, but with this buy-in and this staff and these players coming in and things like that, I would be very surprised. Um, if they don't if Ohio get State doesn't win a national championship and we're not even talking about these players, but did you hear Devin Brown's interview? Oh yeah. I was going to say, we got mid year and rolling comments coming up. Jesus Christ! I like I tweeted it and I thought it was funny. Nobody liked it. I'm the Brigadier. I'm the Brigadier General of the Devin Brown Brigade. Yeah, uh, I was dude, freaking. I'm, I'm was, on. I'm on it. I'm on the team. I was on Devin Brown in July before he was even on Ohio State's radar. That's how much I liked him. And I was like, I think this kid's gonna be a superstar. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm doing everything that I that I'm not that I tell everyone else not to do. Like I always tell, like don't get attached to recruits because they may I'm never play. To Devin Brown. Or, or they may transfer. Like I like I literally just like crapped on people for six months for getting attached to Quinn Ewers, and here I am like Devin Brown. <laughs> That's <laughs> our guy. It's like, Devin, it's okay, Devin, he's our man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's interesting. So we already kind of touched on McAllister, so we could skip that one a little bit. Um, let's go. Let's go to Devin Brown. Like his comments were incredible. Like I think you can tell that. He he was coming full well knowing Quinn Ewers was still there once the USC coaching staff yeah. was there. Like he I was going to ask you, did you see that no comment in his eyes? He literally said, "I was looking forward to uh, competing with Quinn Ewers before you know, he transferred." That kind of scares me, honestly. <laughs> it's like it's like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> like, no, like, but I, I, but all jokes aside, like I think what. I, like, you know, all the guys, you know, I think they got their PR treatment and they, they didn't say anything outlandish. None of them said anything really notable. They're all excited to be here. You know, they got asked about like their high school careers and stuff. You know, it's all the same story. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's fluff pieces. It's like, yeah, hey, like nice everyone, like, yeah, Caleb Burton got asked about Garrett Wilson at Lake Travis. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, they're still talking yeah. about him. That's great, you know. But, like, obviously Devin Brown got a little bit more attention being the guy who's replacing the guy who left and also being 
a quarterback at Ohio State. Like, he is here to compete, number one. That's what he said. He's like, I'm here for the competition. I know. The next thing he said, he said, I don't need to play right away. I know my time will come if I work hard and I I do everything I need to do. Like, check that box. Like, knows what to say. And then I, I don't know. Like, he, he was talking about, like, when he knew – he was going like he could do this. And he said he was working with a private quarterback coach and he was throwing with NFL quarterbacks. And he's like, you know, like my arm was kind of similar to them. Like that wasn't the problem, but I saw like all the little things they did well. And that's when I knew to get to the NFL level. It's all about the little things. Yeah. And that's the thing. And this is, again, I'm not disparaging Quinn Ewers because I do think he's good. I think he was overhyped. But that was always my question about Quinn Ewers. And that's my question about every quarterback. It's just he's the most recent one. Anyone can throw the ball. Can you do the other things? And Devin Brown, like, he seems like a guy who's going to get voted. emphasize the other things. Like, like, and that's the thing about CJ Stroud. They always say it like, like, and like, you know how, you know how someone, in my opinion, with quarterbacks, I like to hear the other things. I don't want to hear that he has the best deep ball I've ever seen. Because you know who had one of the best deep balls I've ever seen? Dwayne Haskins. And I and, and yeah. he's not a starter in the NFL right now because it doesn't matter about talent. Dwayne Haskins' arm is stupid. You know who has maybe the best deep ball I've ever seen? Cardell Jones. You know what he's doing? He's running the slush fund for Ohio State. Like it's more to being a quarterback than being talented. And so I like to see I I like to hear other people talk about quarterbacks and hear the other things. And yeah. all I heard about Quinn Ewers was how talented he was. Joe Germain, Devin Brown, everyone who talks about Devin Brown, and and everyone who talks about Devin Brown, everyone who talks about CJ Stroud, they talk about the other things first. It's a psychopathic behavior of like consistently watching film, fixing just that little slight hitch in your release, making sure like the little stuff, the spinal alignment, like you're they're getting down to these P's and Q's that like you don't even really need to like like in college, like a lot of these quarterbacks survive without it, but like that's what Ryan Day is looking for is that psychopathic behavior in wanting to be great at the position. And that's what Devin yeah. Brown has. They want the 19-year-old to text your 23-year-old wide receiver and tell him, hey, do this this week. We're going to score a touchdown. Yeah, The guy who's never thrown a pass to watch so much film and to be so confident in himself, he's going to text your future first-round picks and who are established, who are Buckeye legends, and say, hey, we're going to do this this week because I saw it on film. And I don't th- – I keep – I bring that up like once a month because I don't think people understand how special that is. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's awesome. And that's like Devin Brown. I I loved listening to him talk. He's one of those guys who's like, he already feels like a pro. And like, you kind of love when a high school and like, honestly, a lot of these young guys sounded like they've done this before. And with the recruiting circuit and how much these guys get interviewed for articles, they're probably much more comfortable than kids were say five years ago. But like, they all came prepared. They all had answers that were well thought out. I didn't say too much, but everything was great about, all these kids and I'm excited for this recruiting class and you know it's a top five class on paper it just got finished up you got you got uh what's it no recruiting surprises at all we landed a bore we landed Hensman. they signed congratulations the only surprise Uh, with a bore is that he didn't take trips yeah which everyone said he was going to 
and then he didn't, and then it was him coming. So, like, outside of that, like, this class is awesome. And I think this is one of the things I think Justin Fry actually talked about it. They did such a good job of recruiting great individuals here. And that's kind of what I saw yesterday and all the guys who spoke to the media, all the early enrollees who spoke. And that's, that's just it's – just, it's fun. Um, the other thing I saw, Caden Curry's planning on playing Leo. That's, that's awesome. Just, that, that's mind-blowing. Could not have a better recruit for that position. And then when Jim Knowles got hired, a lot of people were like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Nothing changed. No, he's like, yeah, I like that position. We're going to play it. And now you got Caden yeah. Curry coming in and preparing and like – now when he goes to Mickey Barati, now when he goes to his coaches, like they know this is what he's going to grow into. And I'm excited to see what Caden Curry can become because he's, what, 6'4", 275, but moves like a traditional young defensive end. Like he moves better than a lot of those 245-pound speed rushers at 275 pounds. I thought he was going to play defensive tackle. I did and too. I really, this is hey, even I, better. And honestly, it is. Uh I really wanted to see him do that spin move on a center, and oh, he can God, still do that. Yeah. So he's six two and a he's six two and a half two forty. That seems light. He looks like a big two forty. Jesus. Yeah, I think he's he's gonna be like I think he's gonna be a guy who puts on weight extremely well, and just he's gonna be an absolute. Like I think one of the articles I read this week, Caden Curry was like literally just a one man wrecking crew in high school. Like yeah. destroyed offenses by himself, and that's what you want your Leo to be, from what I've read of past yeah. articles about the Leo position. So that's fun. Cade Stover is six four two fifty, according to Ohio State's website. So that's what ten pounds. I mean, you can't get height, but he's eighteen. He might get another inch. I mean, yeah. that's that, it's it's essentially the same body type, just one shorter. Yeah, and you a can't little bit shorter. Cade uh, Stover's a big dude. Like I, I think. Yeah. And he moves extremely well for his size, so I, I think they're very. And I, 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 I we're going to confuse him a bunch, probably. I still don't. I still don't know about Cade uh, uh, Stover at Leo. Would you rather have Stover at Leo or Zach Harrison at Leo? That's my question. Stover, I think. I this is weird to say. Um, hold on. Actually, I don't know. I don't know because Zach Harrison is a great run defender. Actually, no. For the fact that Zach Harrison's a great run defender, I want his hand in the dirt. Yeah. He's just not like – he's I just not a – I was thinking about this, and I think they should move Zach Harrison to the three technique. Yeah, honestly. Get him up to like 285, 295, and just let him be a freak three, three technique yeah. defensive tackle. According to this, he's 6'6", 271. So we're not that far off from him being an absolute beast of yeah. a defensive tackle. He could be DeForest Buckner. Yeah, honestly, like just I'm like, I think that's a, a better projection for him. And I we think talk he's about how he Leo. lacks speed on the outside, but like he could absolutely increase, like be the fastest defensive tackle you'd ever have with 15 yeah. more pounds. And I, I think I think there's two things about Zach Harrison, and a part of it I think is how they were teaching it. Um, he's too tall to be a Leo. I don't think he has enough bend. Um, and he's a good run defender, but he's not a good edge setter, and you need that. Yeah. But at defensive at a three tech, you don't need to be an edge setter. And then he can just use his length and his strength to defend the run. I think he'd be a really good three tech. Absolutely. I, I I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I'm like, God, why like as we told you, like you told me that 
I think it was Bill Landis and a few other people said he was playing like 275. And I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. Like, he's way too big. And at 6'6, you can hold that weight, but like, just put on more. Just let, let him eat. Yeah. Man. Just feed this man. Um, yeah. And then I think that's pretty much it for the main stuff. I got some news and notes here. Just quick, quick thoughts on these seven banks graduating. Did not go to the NFL draft. He's pulling back and has decided to transfer. Uh, I can see him kind of. He'll probably land somewhere a brand name, honestly. I think he'll land somewhere popular. Um, one second. I'm sorry. DeForest Buckner is 6'7", 295. All right. That's who Zach Harrison should He was 6'6", 271. He, he may not get, like, again, you can't, you can't coach height. He may not get to the 290, right? But 6'6", 280, he's a poor man's DeForest Buckner. Absolutely. I'm with you. Perfect. So I was so, I was I don't think I'm crazy for that. I think the coaches should really no. consider that one. Well, we're fixing Ohio State's defense right now. Yeah, uh, seven banks transfers. I could see him going to a secondary, not a secondary. Uh, I guess second tier, like Big Ten, Pac-12 school like that. I, I don't think I don't think we'll see him again. I don't think he'll come up on our schedule. I don't think there's going to be a seven Ooh. banks revenge game. But I don't think he's no. going to end up in, like, the Mac or, like, the Sun Belt. I think he'll end up at a brand-name school. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop saying this after this, but I just thought of another player who is a uh, who is a um, poor man's DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead. Oh, yeah. six seven two ninety. We're, like, those are two very successful NFL players. Zach Harrison, three technique. We're we're in the right mode. Like we're in the right mode. Okay, now let's let's. I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to check that because his name came up. So let's go back to the Buckeyes. I think I don't know. <clears throat> I'm a little bit torn on this, mainly because I mean he does have some starting experience, but most other of the transfers have taken a step down. So maybe not a Mac school, but like I could see like a, a Kansas and Indiana. Like, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't think he's going in the big 10, but he's definitely going to take a step down in level. Yeah. He's um, not going to play. He's not going to be Jamison Williams. He's not going to no, be Where's seven banks from? Do you know? No idea. Honestly, I don't know much about so seven wondering banks. If he's no close to home. The hard thing about seven banks and him transferring right now is a lot of schools. You have to, be in right now. Yeah. So I wonder if he's going to miss spring ball. Well, you could be a half semester in Raleigh and just take some uh, eight-week courses, but... He's from Orlando, Florida. He's going to go to UCF. He's yeah, go UCF. Home. That'd be a great fit for him, honestly. Honestly, it would be. And UCF is still enough in the spotlight where if he balls, he can get drafted. He can get drafted. And I, I think Gus Malzahn's doing a great job rebuilding that to what it was when Scott Frost left. So I, I think that would be a good fit. I think – all right, so Seven Banks to UCF yeah. or a school similar to it would be perfect. I'm going to root for him. I, I was thinking about it today, like outside of getting toasted a few times, like I don't think he ever really like did anything that warranted any sort of hate on his way out. I, I'm excited to see where no. he goes. I think he gave it his all. He got injured. He just didn't reach the level that people thought he was, and that's fine. I think his name and then having the number seven also raised his hype a little bit. Like, if he was seven banks, but he wore, like, 12, like, I think the expectations would have been a little lower. Yeah, also, I mean... He was a three-star recruit. It wasn't like he was, like... 
it, so it has him as a four star. I just pulled this up, but he was the number 227 nationally, 23rd quarterback, 41st player in the state of Florida. So he was he wasn't a stud coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's still a very decent recruit, but like he wasn't a top 150 player. Like, yeah, we're not talking about Jeffrey Akuda again. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> He was on a different level. Okay, so this one, this came up in uh, Jim Knowles' interview. Apparently, Urban Meyer <laughs> still has keys to the facilities. I mean, I mean you, can't, you can't take it from them, but I wish they would. Yeah, like you're 7-0 and against Michigan, so you've earned the right to show up to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center whenever you want. But, like, I just, like... <laughs> I wasn't glad, such like, a bad guy, they'd build a statue for him. Yeah, and, like, I'm glad, like... It's private because, like, outside, like, like outside of his issues, like, he did do a lot for elevating the Ohio State program. So he's obviously got some input on like championship level football. But like, let's not take his input on like character and like yeah. that type of stuff. Now, <laughs> like, like, don't I think let we've him all move past. Like, we've all accepted. Yes, Urban Meyer was a win at all cost coach, and what did that cost? Like character judgment and yeah so don't take his judge for character if he gives you advice like on ethics like not the guy all right but but also don't let him sit in the recruiting meeting he can't give you advice on ethics he can't give you advice on coach hirings yeah yeah so yeah outside of that like beating michigan you know what if urban meyer wants to run a period a day on beating michigan let him do it because he knows how to do that extremely well yeah, that is that is his forte for sure. And I, I just thought that was so funny. Like Urban Meyer just randomly showing up in his Audi with his key card and just like swiping into the Woody Hayes. Like, hey, what's up, Jim? Nice to meet you. You gonna beat Michigan? Yeah, like, and then walked out. Oh, you're gonna beat that team up north. Sorry, Urban Meyer would never yeah. utter that word. What do you? No. So, like, this is tangent here. Like in the NFL, do you think Urban Meyer referred to like players who went to Michigan as? Did he even talk to those guys? No, he didn't. Absolutely I, like, not. It, I just, it just popped into my mind. I just want to see that dynamic. I think that would be a funny skit, honestly. I, it's a little late, but that would have been a funny skit. SNL. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, then I just had uh, no recruiting surprises on signing day. We got the two guys. We're good to go. Good class. Top five class. 93 player average. Can't get much better than that. You know, sorry we didn't take 31 players and pay, like, 19 top 200 recruits to go to my school where, like, 22 people get on the field. So we'll see how that works out for Texas A&M. But the last thing, final thoughts on the day, the NIL fanatics deal. What you Before say? We get to that really quickly. So I don't. We don't follow recruiting really closely. So I don't know if you know this. Did you know that um, Amari Abor was originally a five star and I like did a know top that. player? Okay. So I didn't know that at first, um, and he fell down a little bit. Whatever. There's a chance that he's like a freaking stud. Yeah, like, like like there's a chance that he's like like underrated and and could be like the guy, and recruiting's hard and he's signed late and that kind of stuff. I just putting it out there. Be on the lookout for him. There's a chance that he could be the next like we got Amari Abor. Well, think like, about the Jack Sawyer, JTT room, Amari Abor after a year of development. Like that's going to be an yeah. absurd room. Oh man, I'm. I usually got me excited. I'm selling yeah, NIL, NIL, NIL fanatics. I'm excited for this one. I guess we didn't fully introduce. I'm it not a I jersey guy, so it doesn't like like it's cool. I'm excited for all those people who love to buy jerseys, and you don't I'm have to go to China anymore. 
Yeah, I'm not a jersey guy because you can't style jerseys. They don't look good with regular clothes. But I will probably, if I made more money, I'm a buy a jersey, frame it, hang it on the wall guy. No, I'm with you on that. I just don't make enough money to spend $180 to never wear it. (laughs) Once I started being older than the players on the team, I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying a jersey. That's yeah, that's that is the that's the weird dynamic with like with like college. I'd probably never buy a college jersey. I'm excited for it for the players though. But yeah. actually, the real reason I'm excited for it is if there's a group licensing deal, it's very easily for EA to copy the structure and give us real college football because they're bringing it back but they were bringing it back with no names but if there's already a group licensing deal out there they can just be like hmm there's already a structure there's already a format there's already a lawyer or 12 who helped make this be real let's contact them and let's see how much money we'd have to give each player to get them into NCAA football yeah, that's big time. I, I think this is one of those monumental things that like feels like stupid that it's 2021 and we could finally get names on the back of jerseys with real players and players get the money from it. Like how like it's 2022, like what the hell? CJ Stroud's gonna be stupid rich. Yeah, like, he's gonna this, be stupid if rich. Is, if this is done by the fall. Stroud's gonna be stupid rich. Devin Brown or whoever the next quarterback is, we're assuming Devin Brown, but it could be Kyle McCord because I'm not off his bandwagon. I think he's still really good. Whoever the but next the best quarterback part is, is, now it's natural the secession. So like, yeah, Kyle McCord yep. could start his one year, go to the league, and then Devin Brown's got plenty of time. Exactly. But whoever that next quarterback is, when NIL has been in for two or three years and people are used to it, and there's the jerseys and that kind of stuff, that next quarterback who. Yeah, man. I, oh, I feel God. like, yeah, like these players at the beginning are getting like a great treatment, but once this stuff's like completely figured out, it's going to be stupid. But yeah, I think it's an awesome deal. I think it's exciting for the players mostly. And then yeah. I think, well as a kid, like I owned like jerseys that weren't just Ohio State. Like I was a huge Vince Young fan. I was a huge Mount Liner fan. A huge Reggie Bush fan. Like, like as a kid, like when those jerseys are only like forty bucks, like. That's going to be big time for people. Yeah. Because like, they're younger, and so it makes sense for them to have a CJ Stroud jersey. Yeah. I just don't think, like, I'm sorry because there are people who are going to buy his jersey. Like, yeah, we're not saying that you're – You can't, like, like jerseys well, can be your thing. I just don't feel – like, it just feels weird to me wearing a jersey of someone I'm older than. Well, like, yeah, I'm going to have to buy a Justin Fields jersey, and I'm older than him. Yeah. I want to chase young jersey, which I'm probably not going to buy because the I, Washington Commodores jerseys are so ugly. They're so bad. But, but like, we, yeah, like, we could honestly do a whole show on how bad the Washington Commodore jerseys are. They're <laughs> so bad. I don't mind the name, but those jerseys are awful. I think Washington like Commanders, that's what it was. But I will definitely have it. I will have the next one. I have my Darius Leonard jersey. So the next on my list is he get a Kenny Moore jersey? Come a coach fan, and he's great. Um, eventually, I'm gonna get a Jonathan Taylor jersey, but like, ah, whatever. And, and then I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a Joe Burrow jersey because I'm going to Cincinnati Bengals games because it's down the street and Browns games aren't fun, and Indianapolis is too far to just casually go to. And I'm getting a Justin Fields jersey uh, because it's Justin Fields, and I will support him forever. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, long time coming. Uh, this was a great show. I think they did everything for us to build the content. We just had to execute. So I'm excited. It was a long one. Hope you guys stayed with us to the end. 
Uh, Jordan, where can we find you on social media? And is there any work you want anyone highlighted right now? Yeah, you can uh, you can find me on social media at Jordan W three three zero. I'm like I said I'm doing my big thoughts one. If you give me like a week or two, I'm going to be on some interesting teams. If you like to learn about Northwestern Illinois and the dregs of the Big Ten, please check it out. But in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start getting to like the good teams. So I I mean I think it's fun. I think it's I I think it's great to learn about other teams and what they're doing and stuff. I'm having fun doing it. So definitely check me out. That's awesome. Uh, you guys can find me at Chris Rennie CFB, and then you can find the show at Buck Off Pod. If you guys want to find my writing, I'm doing some draft coverage stuff because I really do despise the draft coverage industry. So you guys can come check out my player profiles. I'm giving you guys some landing spots, giving some scouting reports on what I've seen from Ohio State players. It's been a lot of fun so far. First two guys, you know it, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Check it out. Every Thursday, those are dropping. So uh, that's it for me. I uh, hope you guys had a fun time with us today. It was great getting to know all these coaches this week. And forewarning, we won't get to talk to any of these first-time Ohio State guys until bowl season. So hopefully you enjoyed those first meetings because that's the last time we're going to get to talk to them. Yep. That's it. That's Go it. Bucks. Adios.